There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Even all the bad news, it has to be delivered in some way that doesn't make you pull your hair out. Okay, we got enough real worries in our lives to be pulling our hair out. We got family problems, financial problems, spiritual problems, crimes uh, run amok. You know, things are, are, are just pretty darn awful when we look around. So when you turn on your radio, you're looking for something specific. You're looking for information. You're looking to be somewhat entertained. I mean, obviously, I don't do a rah-rah pep show where you're going to, with the exception of the segment with Derek, it's not fun but it should be it should be humorous and entertaining whenever possible and that's what i find so badly missing and and the other thing is not being predictable sometimes people expect something from me like they get it in their head that their response to any given story will be my response only i'll be really uh frantic or, or upset and then they're shocked when I say like no that's not a that's not a big deal and what'd you expect you know which is my response to a lot of things for instance I'm watching people lose their marbles over this phone call that apparently uh, Carrie Lake put out there where the top Republican in Arizona I don't know if the person is the head of the, uh, you know, Arizona Republican Committee. I, I really don't know. Jeff DeWitt is the chair of the Arizona Republican Party. But the the idea that I should be like totally outraged and go crazy because somebody tried to bribe her to get out of politics. Um, no kidding. <laughs> you don't think that happens like all the time because it does and and if you weren't rattling the cages it probably would never happen to you nobody cares to bribe Lindsey Graham out of politics I probably shouldn't have used Lindsey Graham but I couldn't help myself but somebody like Carrie Lake lover or hater you know, I, I think she's wonderful. First and foremost, you know, she's one of us. She's been like a news person all her life and basically was covering stories and her bosses were telling her to cover them in one particular way. And she's thinking, but that's not my job. And so she got more and more involved and then finally left her anchor job and started to run for office. And And she has definitely made people sit up and take notice. So the thought that some rhino in Arizona 
told her that there was people back east willing to give her a lot of money to get gone. <laughs> you know, he's explaining powerful people. They'll give you a job. They'll give you money. And all you got to do is just stay out of politics for two years. Now, first and foremost, this is supposed to have happened. And I did. I listened to the tape. But this was the Daily Mail is where it started. And it was like yesterday that the story came out. And within a day, this Jeff DeWitt character resigned. So something's up. But I keep thinking to myself, why is anyone surprised, A, that this happened? And why did she sit on this story? Resign? Or, you know, you're going to get even a worse recording come out? That's his contention today. I was determined, he said, to fight for my position, but a few years, few hours ago, I get an ultimatum from Carrie Lake's team, resign today or face the release of a new, more damaging recording. So he just wants it to go away. I don't blame him. He, he has every uh, right to claim that he's being shanghaied, because he is. Look, I don't know why Carrie Lake held on to this as long as she did. The audio is supposed to have come from a conversation that happened almost a year ago. The, the claim is it was March of 2023. And okay, that's almost a year. What did Carrie Lake think she was holding it for? What, what was her point? You know, they're all so crazy and corrupt that you don't know who to believe or what to believe anymore. She tells uh, a talk show host in Arizona, Garrett Lewis, that this guy who was elected chairman of the party in January of last year, so that preceded this phone conversation, not phone conversation, this recorded conversation at her house, mind you, is where this took place. The guy's in her house, and he gets taped. Now, first and foremost, who does that? Who tapes conversations with leadership when they're running for office? And this was a very specific kind of bribe. I've never heard anything like this. You know, usually, and, and believe me, this isn't the first time I've ever heard one of these stories. It's probably been a dozen. I was present when one was made. And so in this recording, he asks her, like, give me a number. How, how, what would it take to keep you out? And so that's pretty specific. Now, at the time, Carrie Lake had not yet decided whether she was going to run for the Senate seat. So he wrote a letter today, he resigned, and he said, I made a suggestion in good faith because I thought it was good politics, good strategy for our party, and he also thought it would be okay for her. Now, he admitted that he said some things he regrets, but he accused her, and I would have to, you know, I'd have to say he has a legitimate case of deceptive tactics and of releasing a selectively edited audio recording. So 10 months ago, this conversation takes place, and they've been working on it for 10 months. That's all I'm going to say. He tells her that 
that that uh, you know she's a big you know honcho in the MAGA movement and we need somebody that's not that out front and blah 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 I, I could see this conversation taking place I have these conversations with people all the time now I wonder if they're recording them and for what purpose now I'm not in leadership I don't have any <laughs> any position in any party don't even really belong in a party so I've said to people you know can't you find something else to do for a while? Literally, that's been my statement. Or I've said, you know, now that you've got more of a public face and you've run for office, maybe unsuccessfully, or or you changed your mind, whatever the case may be, why don't you stay out of politics? I don't think you're cut out for it, and I don't think it's good for the, your pro, your party, your purpose. Now, those are suggestions, and they get made all the time. I, I don't offer people, nobody comes to me and says, hey, look, I got a million dollars here if you can get so-and-so to drop his campaign or drop her run. That's never happened. Nobody's ever <laughs> offered to bankroll a bribe. But I'm not in a position where that would have really come up. People are a little afraid to talk to me, let's face it. Because whatever you say to me, it's fair game. You know, I don't have to promise you that I'm going to withhold any information that you give me. Now, there are some people who know they can trust me, and they will tell me things, and I will not reveal them. But that's because they're not that important. They may be real important to them. They may think they're real important. But then when I evaluate them, I say, you know what, I'm not going to, you know, if they want to give me this kind of information, I'll just use it. I keep it in my storeroom of valuable information about crazy people who run for office. That's all. This is such a, to me, nothing burger, and yet it's a big story today. Are there companies actually out there in America, Carrie Lake is wondering, that would bribe a person out of politics? Oh, hell yeah, Carrie, you know that. Stop acting like you're, you know, you've been insulted. It's all about Trump. And anybody who thinks it's not, thinks it's really about Carrie Lake, well, then, you know, you're dumb. You're dumb. This is about Donald Trump. And anything that has anything to do with Donald Trump is going to be attacked. And Carrie Lake is a big Donald Trump supporter, uh, remains a big figure in the MAGA. I went to see her speak at Club 47. She's a dynamic speaker. She gets people involved in politics at the grassroots level. She's, you know, good looking and charismatic and all that other stuff. A great speaker. Look, she was in TV for years. She knows how to, how to woo an audience pretty quickly. So I just sit here and I think like, why is everyone freaking out about this? Like they never believed that anything like this was going on. Like, do you guys realize how disgusting, why it's called the swamp? They do disgusting things on a daily basis, all of them. Even the ones who are not that, uh, that awful. You know, I went to see Matt Gates speak on Monday. And look, Matt Gates, you love him or you hate him, and that could be the different story on any given day with me. But I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, you, for all of your trashing your colleagues, you're still very much a part of that. You still walk around with the lapel pin, which he pointed out at one point in his speech. I've always said the worst thing that we ever did was turn politicians into celebrities. Like, 
that was not a good move because now they think they can get away with stuff that other people can't. And when you're elected to public office, there's a level of trust that should be expected and you shouldn't have to wear a pin to get it, right? There were people who I knew who sat in Congress for decades and never wore the pin. Or if they wore it, it was infrequently and they were sometimes quite embarrassed about the fact that they were in Congress. <laughs> that, that whole idea of what we have done, creating this class of human beings who are supposed to represent us. Represent means be like me, but go where I can't go. I can't sit in Congress and vote on legislation. So I elect somebody, or in my case, I'm unsuccessful in electing a representative for Congress in the district in which I live. But every effort is made by us, the voters, to send somebody there who at least reflects the majority of opinion in our district. Look, I have to face the fact I live in a Democrat county, in a Democrat community, period. There's no getting around that. I can wish and I can uh, help you know, vote for change, but it is what it is. I still get a chance to vote. We've got a couple of people who are going to be running in this district. It's interesting. It really, you know, politics is a, is a, a fascinating sport for me. But I am not surprised that they tried to bribe Carrie Lake out of a race, nor am I completely convinced that she didn't set this all in motion um, for her own purposes. And I, I frown on the uh, idea of doing the same thing they do, corrupting politics the way they've corrupted it, especially when you say you're an outsider. Like, so would you hold on to this for 10 months? Anyway... Don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you could win one of our fabulous prizes. We have all kinds of things. Great Greek gift cards for a fabulous meal in West Boca. We have Artie Gras, a family four-pack of tickets to the 39th annual Artie Gras Fine Arts Festival. And we also have Garlic Fest tickets. I know people love garlic. So you can win just by entering to win. Who knows? Maybe you'll be lucky. But you got to do it on the app. And if you don't have the app, go to the website, 850WFTL.com. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you know, there's some real issues out there, and I'm not trying to minimize how disgusting it is that we have a political system where people think nothing about bribing a candidate to get them to not run for office or, you know, whatever, that money plays such an important part of our politics. It's painful. I get that. But do you realize when you hear a story like this, you have to look a little bit deeper than just the headline. And at the time when this recording was made by Carrie Lake, she was working for the guy who she recorded and now has, you know, basically blown his life apart. 
What is that? Why is it that, that nobody ever has to answer the question, well, what were you doing there? Like when I hear Bill Barr and I hear these other Trump ex cabinet members or even just aides, when I hear them trashing Donald Trump, the first thing I think of is, yeah, but while you were there and you had power, you didn't say anything about this. You didn't call this out to the American people. And now all of a sudden he's a danger and we have to stop him. That kind of stuff makes me wonder just how insincere do you have to be to even be in politics? You must not be able to believe anything. And you certainly don't feel responsible for being honest. You know, it's it's such a brutal game that I guess everybody's decided, well, you know, I'll play it the way it's played. That's terrible. Now there's a story out. You know I love the military. I, I think you're crazy if you don't appreciate these amazing men and women who serve this country. They sure don't do it for the money. They do it for the love of country. So when I hear these stories... My first question is, you know, what's the source of this story? And what is the purpose of this story? And what is the purpose of this story coming out right now? Because you know, there are some people who are big admirers of the military, and then there are some people who absolutely loathe it. I mean, Bill Clinton even was talk about being caught saying something horrifying. He didn't, he looked down his nose at the military. So now I read this story. A female army officer was fired from her command position at a unit that's based at Joint Base Lewis-McChord. Okay, so this is Washington State, by the way. Um, she's a commander, and they suspended her, and then they were holding this sort of investigation into her conduct. And now stuff is being conveniently linked and leaked is what I meant to say. The investigation includes reviewing an unredacted command climate survey, in addition to hundreds of internal army emails and voice recordings and videos and text messages. I don't know why anyone thinks they can keep secrets anymore. You can't. So they're accusing her of assaulting at least two male subordinates and harassing several others with some of these incidents allegedly tied to alcohol abuse. And in one of the instances, allegedly, she forcefully kissed a male. And in another one, she grabbed the guy below the belt without his consent. Why is this story like news? Why is Yahoo featuring this story? I don't think Yahoo hides its dislike for the military, never does. But this is a particularly empty kind of story. This doesn't really help us because we don't have a complete picture of what this means. First and foremost, I've always said that once you gave women all the same rights and privileges, which they should have, as men, you would begin to see similar behaviors, or at least the uncovering of similar behaviors. So sexual abuse by somebody who's in a superior position 
That's not surprising, but it's rare. So when you have a story like this and you have a woman who was one of the first women to even have the command of a battalion like this, these are new units, these SFAB battalions, they are, you know, they're intense. Security force assistant brigades. You know, these are, these are big time positions. And so she was one, she was the first woman to take command of such a unit. And the, the, they, in case, if you're wondering, like sometimes I need a visual, they're the ones that wear the brown beret. Cause you know, you should, you should have some way of identifying. So their area of responsibility or the one that she was the commander of are Australia, Japan, Mongolia. And of course that puts her in a position where she literally is in a hot spot because China is on the move. In case anybody had noticed while they were too busy worrying about whether uh, Barbie got enough Oscar nominations or Oppenheimer got too many, you know, if that's what your biggest you know, issue was over the last 24 hours, you probably missed a lot of important stories like we have pirates and these pirates have been attacking civilian ships and these pirates have also attacked military ships. And that apparently is not as big a, big a story. You know, the fact that the, the, what you're seeing, what these pirates actually are, it's really frightening. They're like young Houthis who literally have no training at all. But Russia and and certainly Iran are giving them lots of big weapons and then basically telling them who to attack. So the Pentagon has to deal with this. And lately, the Pentagon has been a little more offense, you know, on the offense. But it's very difficult because this is untrained. This is not typical warfare. It's not like you can predict what these knuckleheads are going to do. They don't have a lot of big weapons. They don't have a place to store them, number one. But they are constantly on the move with missiles that they launch from like the back of a pickup truck on some remote beach. And then they just run away. We're not used to that. Nobody's engaged in this kind of warfare. The first barrage that uh, America and some of its allies launched about two weeks ago, they destroyed around 90% of the targets that they struck. But even with that high success rate, the Houthis still have 75% of their ability to fire missiles and drones at ships that are going through the Red Sea. And, and the Pentagon acknowledges that. So the Pentagon has to carry out more attacks. And then the Houthis continue their attacks on ships. And you have to ask yourself, how did this ragtag bunch of kids, really, how did they even get the level of sophistication that they have? And we know the answer to that question. 
we know who's running these shows. This ragtag militia in Yemen, which is now a literal opponent, a foe of the United States military, didn't just figure this out on their own. How do you stop them? And how do you admit that you got, you had no idea this was coming? And that as soon as you destroy some of their weapons, these Houthi uh, drones and, and, and missiles, Iran replaces them. They have like a never-ending stream of uh, these ships that are just bringing more weaponry into Yemen. So even when you have a, a seemingly successful American commando operation, which we had on January 11th, where they seized a, a small boat that had ballistic missile and cruise missile components that was on its way to Yemen, the Pentagon lost two Navy SEALs, two amazingly well-trained uh, human beings. And they searched for 10 days for these two Navy SEALs, and they couldn't find them. So this is a, <laughs> the Houthis have something that's a lot more together than we ever expected. It's like mind-blowing when you think about it. The diversity of their arsenal, they got missiles, they got drones. How? How did that happen? Who did they study under? Was it Hezbollah in Lebanon? It, it's just, you know, Hezbollah did do some of the training. There's no question about that. But they didn't train them on the specifics. They just gave them like a general education. It'd be like you walking in to Microsoft and them saying, well, this is how programming works, and then leaving. It's a little more complicated than that. So now the U.S. and all of our coalition partners, we're just trying to figure out, what do we do? What do we do? We can't, uh, we got, this is Yemen. It's a country. And the Houthis are militants within that country being supported by Iran. And we're worried about whether uh, Barbie got enough Oscar nominations. I ain't. Anyway, let me take a quick break. You stay right where you are. I don't have any guests today. I just want to talk to you. There's a lot to talk about. Stay right where you are. So, you know, the other thing I was thinking about, and I know I'm not the only one thinking about it. I know my friend Howard Galganov had written an article as well yesterday, I think, about how if you watched um, Nikki Haley's concession speech, I mean, if that's what it was, because she did lose. I know it's kind of hard to figure that out because her speech was she was like celebrating the fact that she lost to Donald Trump. She was acting as if she really won. And then you had uh, Governor Sununu, Chris Sununu, explaining that she did actually win because she didn't lose by as much as the polling said she would. Huh? She won seven, you know, he won, Donald Trump won 70% of all the Republican voters, Nikki Haley won Democrats, people who changed their party affiliation just for the primary, independents who skew to the left, uh, rhinos, never Trumpers, and Chris Sununu. <laughs> you know, that's, she's not 
in a good position right now. And anybody who pretends that she's, oh, I'm not getting out of the race and I'm going to do this and you have no idea. I do have an idea. When you keep going after Donald Trump the way you go after him, it's desperate. It sounds desperate and it feels desperate because guess what? He's not just winning. He's winning by huge margins. Oh, they're not huge enough? <laughs> How huge do they have to be? This is a man who is fighting numerous legal cases. This is a man who nobody in the mainstream media can bring themselves to say a kind word about. I mean, he gets berated at the funeral of his mother-in-law. And now you, you really want to stand there and tell people that he's not as sharp enough to be president? I don't know any, this is the man that has the least amount of mental fragility that I've ever seen in my life. I thought I was tough. I thought I had rhino, rhinoceros hide, but Donald Trump makes me look like a wimp. That's why I, I can't, you know, if I hear one more person say, well, the problem is that Donald Trump can't beat Joe Biden. Really? He did once. I know we're not allowed to say that, but I believe he did. You know, I think he got cheated. But I, I know he can beat Donald Who Who on earth, I don't care how deluded you are, who's going to be excited enough to go out and vote for Joe Biden? Donald Trump can beat Joe Biden. My fear, the big question, is not can Donald Trump beat Joe Biden. The big question is can Donald Trump beat Michelle Obama or somebody else who they have, you know, in the wings that they're going to trot out. It can't be Kamala Harris. They know that. But before that prime, uh, before the actual day when everyone comes together and determines who's going to be the party nominee, I assure you, there's a lot of tactics that could go down. And somebody can be inserted, and they probably frighten me more than Joe Biden. Really? I mean, Joe Biden would literally have to go back into the basement and not let anybody see him, not answer any questions, which is hard to do when you're the president of the United States. The conventions are the finale. But a lot of things happen prior to the conventions. People aren't even thinking about the delegates and how many delegates get won even in these caucuses and early primaries. Nikki Haley isn't even participating in some of them because she knows she has no, no chance. So if you know that, why are you in this race? You're like that, that person on the top floor of the Institute for the Chronically Nervous, because I'm not allowed to say mental institution or anything anymore. I might hurt somebody's feelings. So the Chronically Nervous Institute, you walk by it, or maybe you jog by it while you're out there doing your exercise, 
and there's this woman up on the top floor and the, the, the window's barred, but it's open so she can yell out at the street. And she's up there shouting from her room that chaos, chaos follows Donald Trump wherever he goes. He, he's not sharp. He can't, he thought I was Nancy Pelosi. And as you're running or walking by, you're thinking to yourself like, mm, am I supposed to take her seriously? She's in the Institute for the Chronically Nervous. I'm not. I'm out here able to think. That's why, look, there's a lot of things I can't control and there are certainly a lot of things I don't understand. Like I, I, I really, I don't understand why everybody is so freaked out about this tape that Carrie Lake just released. First and foremost, not a surprise. Second, what difference is it gonna make? And why, if it was so important, and why if she was so insulted by the offer, did she wait 10 months to say anything? Was she like considering it for at first? I don't know. But uh, there's so many, I'm not so quick to just jump on because I like a particular character or person. I don't go, oh, well, uh, then this must be great and we're gonna run with this story. This is the most important story of the day. No, no. The most important story of the day is that, you know, we're living in a world full of Jew haters right now and nobody wants to talk about that. They had a congressional hearing where, and then there was a hearing in the Knesset, oh my God, where one of the survivors who was released, one of the hostages, talked about the sexual abuse. I did it in my thought of the day, and I really paused. I said, oh, this is going to air, and maybe people are going to be freaked out by it, but somebody's got to tell the story. That's way more important than how many Oscar nominations, you know, uh, Reese Witherspoon or somebody got. But you wouldn't know that. If you were a Martian and you came and landed on this planet right now, you'd be very confused. First and foremost, you'd be looking at this, you know, old doddering man who's really having a trouble just conducting himself normally, and he is supposed to be conducting himself at the highest level possible. You want the leader of the free world, which is what the president of the United States actually is. You want them to be more than coherent. You want them to be brilliant. And if they speak in, well, let's say normal speak, like a Donald Trump, they better have brilliant ideas and they better be able to execute them as he did. So a Martian lands here and says like, what on earth? Who is that guy? And why is he in charge? <laughs> you know, and, and wait, who's his sidekick? I keep waiting for Kamala Harris to do something. She, she doesn't do anything. How could you be the vice president of the United States and the only time you actually do anything meaningful is if there's a tie in the Senate? Good grief. Again, I'm glad no Martian is landing because they could not figure this stuff out. I, it's my job to try and figure it out, but I'm, I'm wrestling with this today. I'm not worried about can Donald Trump beat Joe Biden. Of course he could. In a fair election, he'll mop up the floor with him. But what is their plan? I don't believe that they're going to let Joe Biden be the nominee. I really don't. 
and they can't go with Kamala Harris because she doesn't do anything. <laughs> and the president of the United States got to be able to do things. Anyway, don't forget coming up after me, Eric Erickson. And then tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show at 6 a.m., followed by Brian Kilmeade at 9, followed by Dan Bongino at noon. And then, of course, I'll be back at 3 o'clock. But I have one segment left today, so don't touch that dial. I'm not finished venting yet. So Europe's a mess, and, you know, the, the elite in Europe, they're saying that uh, they don't understand. How is it that, you know, simpleton farmers are bringing France and Germany and Poland to a standstill. There's, there's something about elitists in this country, and obviously now I'm looking at Europe as well, and certainly South America as well, that they're always stunned when regular people feel strongly enough to get out there and either protest or uh challenge the authorities, right? When the truckers in Canada did it, you know, Justin Trudeau decided like to shut down their accounts, their financial accounts, which by the way, he's now in big trouble for. Apparently the Supreme Court or one of the courts of appeals in Canada said, no, you can't do that. A little late, he ruined a lot of guys' lives and businesses, but this is how revolutions happen. They happen in two ways, either at the ballot box or at the wallet. And when French farmers decide that they're not going to deliver anything anymore, they're just going to show up in their tractors, which is, if you see the pictures, they're, they're phenomenal. You know, they're, they're all across France. They have these agricultural workers who are ticked off, tired of being abused, and blocking areas so that they can't get goods transported around the UK. Farmers in Germany, farmers in Poland, protesting the European Union. They're sick of the cheap imports from the Ukraine flooding the market. They're sick of the green policies, which we're all sick of. Anybody with a brain is sick of something that's going to drive up costs, right? Um, but it's fascinating how they're sitting around like people sitting around today saying like, I can't believe they tried to bribe Carrie Lake. Why can't you believe that? I, I'm surprised we don't hear more stories like that more often. But imagine the, the detachment of the elites in Europe who say, oh my God, like the farmers have all band together. How do they know each other? <laughs> you know, it's just, they're so clueless. And that's the great strength of grassroots movements, is that you attack people in a peaceful way and you get their attention and then you get to find out what they really think about you. That's really the important feature of this particular story or was of the Canada trucker story, or it is of anything going on in America today, is like the working class has a tremendous amount of power. They just don't use it. They don't vote. In many countries, you see the, the ratio of working people voting uh, is poor. It's pathetic. I trust, trust me, the elites always vote. They get somebody to vote for them twice if they want. But these, uh, these elitists, are really my, they, they don't understand what happened. 
Are the farmers are upset. Oh, and by the way, in case you missed John Stewart, who used to be the host of The Daily Show, apparently that show has done so badly that they had to hire him back at least one day a week. I think he's the executive producer anyway. But just in time for an election, right? He, for 16 years he was in there, and then, you, you know, he, he was gone. The voice of the generation on Comedy Central anyway. So he's back, and now they, they've been having like this rotating lineup of comedians who, ha who host the program. They're still going to do it except on one or two days a week when he'll be back. Mondays, whatever. Like I look, I listen, I'm, I'm, like I'm going to watch John Stewart and, the, and the, the, the Daily Show. Anyway, that's it for me today. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Then may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. I will see you all here tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.